Nexus Church is all about cultivating an authentic Christian community where old and young alike journey with Jesus and are transformed by the gospel. May we be challenged and inspired by the power of His Word. Psalm 34 is one of the greatest psalms in the Bible. And uh, in fact, what's remarkable about it is it's actually a Hebrew acrostic. It's about 20 verses or so, but uh, every verse is a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. David did that because he wanted to remind us and want us to be able to memorise it. The problem is I don't think Dave was thinking about English. Yeah, <laughs> we'll take that up with him at some point. But it's a Hebrew acrostic because he wanted it to be embedded into the people of Israel. That their first response to circumstances that are difficult would be praise. That their first response would be to glorify the Lord beyond their circumstances. And so in one sense, the first 10 verses are a song and the the last 10 or so verses uh, are more of a sermon. But almost the first 10 verses are speaking about how good the Lord is, but it's also an invitation. It's almost as if the first 10 verses, it's it's like a Yelp review of this great restaurant you should go try. He's like kind of beckon the reader in Glorify the Lord. He is with you. He makes you radiant and He's beckoning you in. But also it takes place in a fascinating season in David's life. And you know this, through the toughest season, the greatest things often come out of us. Through the most difficult seasons, you you dig deep. You find what's in you. In fact, we would probably say the greatest songs ever written have been written out of the most difficult of seasons. Eric Clapton, Tears from Heaven. Remember that song? <laughs> you thought it was going to be funny then. Remember, remember that song, Tears, Tears from Heaven, Tears, of, Tears, in, Tears in Heaven. Yeah. But he wrote that Tears in Heaven song through just tragedy. Don't look at it right now, I'll explain it later on. What was the other one? Who was the guy, Phil Collins, in the air tonight? Apparently there was some kind of weird story about a kid drowning or something like that. That's one of the internet versions. But the other one was his wife was unfaithful and so he wrote that song in the air tonight. John Lennon wrote Imagine in 1971 when the world was in turmoil with social political chaos. He wrote Imagine. But he wrote it trying to make people escape and oftentimes that's how people write things. Um, Katy Perry, Firework. Like obviously, you know, she saw a firework. It just inspired her heart to write. Taylor Swift, check it off. Um, You know, all of these, some of the greatest songs though do come out of the most difficult of seasons. But here's the difference between songs and psalms. Songs try and make us escape reality. Psalms embed us in reality. And Psalms actually say this, you don't have to escape reality. You don't have to imagine there's something better. You don't have to imagine there's a better place. You can know the reality of the presence of the living God in your life now, regardless of the circumstance. And that's how Psalm 34 was penned. In fact, David is on the run. It had been the third time that Saul had tried to spear him. One of the ways, you know, you don't have a good friend if they keep on throwing spears at you. And David makes a decision to go on the run and he goes to the, the Philistine army, in fact, History would tell us that he was carrying the very sword of Goliath, kind of like a bit of an obvious calling card of who you are. You know, you should really hide that thing if you're going to go to the people who you you killed their soldier. But he goes to Gath and you would know the story, a man called Abimelech or Achish is his name. He goes before him and he pretends to be insane. I think you read in 1 Samuel 29, he pretends to be insane. 
He does that for a good reason. He doesn't want to be killed. But everybody knows David. And David kind of scratches the walls and he drools and he kind of comes before the king. And the king basically says, I don't need another crazy person in my kingdom. Just kick him out. He's fine. He's not a threat. And David walks away from that place and goes to his tent and he pens this psalm. The man on the run fearing for his life, the kingdom being ripped out of his hands. He was anointed, but he was not yet enthroned. And in the darkest hour of his life, he pens Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Think about this. He has just acted like a crazy man talking gibberish. And now he's saying his praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him and He saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and He delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. Fear the Lord, you His holy people. For those who fear Him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I have a few thoughts that we're going to share around this passage and I want to talk to Kelly because I've watched Kelly on this journey that she has been on and I want to tell you I've seen her live this out. She has been radiant through difficult circumstances and we're going to get to her story in a moment. Three things to draw from this. Number one is this. Praise is not circumstantial. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Do you know there's something you don't see very often in the sporting world? You don't often hear sports stars give praise when they do bad. You don't often hear sports stars acknowledge the Lord when they've just failed. Think about it. You could watch the Rugby League World Cup right now and you might see some guys who have some kind of faith. I can tell you, whenever people do well and they have some semblance of faith, I'm not being critical, but maybe I am. Uh, but, you know, some semblance of faith and they win the grand final, they win the game, they make the pass, they score the try and they get interviewed. And you know how the interview goes? I just want to give glory to the Lord. I just want to praise Jesus. Do you know what you never hear? Well, you dropped the ball, you failed, you lost in the final, you played absolutely terrible. How do you feel? I just want to praise the Lord. It's something you never hear. And do you know why you never hear it? Because we are almost hardwired to only praise when our circumstances are good. We, we are only praising when we know that our circumstances are, are well and we're doing good in life. But what David is saying, at all times, his praise will always be on my lips. Really important question to ask yourself. Is there something in your life that is causing you to hold back your praise because you're waiting for that to be fulfilled? Can I tell you, when there is no progress, praise the Lord. When you see nothing happening, praise the Lord. In fact, Habakkuk 3.17 says that when there's no grape on the vine, when there's no field in the harvest, when there's no sheep in the pen, yet I will praise the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord, my Saviour. He is my strength. Can I tell you our default mode, my default mode? 
is to praise when it's good, to praise when I make that shot, that one point, foul out. My tendency is to praise when circumstances are good. But actually, if we're going to be people who praise, we praise regardless of the circumstance. And we have to get to that point in our faith. That's what David would beckon us to do in Psalm 34. Number two is this, that we would exalt that would encourage others. Exalting that encourages others. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. Do you notice what else happens when we glorify the Lord? It actually has the ability to affect the atmosphere of other people who are not yet in a place of victory. Let the afflicted hear me rejoicing and they choose to rejoice. How? Because it doesn't matter about your circumstances. It matters that we decide to glorify the Lord together. This is why it's so important that on your worst day, you find yourself in church. On your worst day, you find yourself in church. Regardless of how heavy or bad your week is, or what's happened to you or you have done, the best place to be is in a place of praise and in a place of glorifying the Lord. And here is why. Other translations would say that the word glorify is magnify. Do you know what happens when you magnify something? It becomes larger in your life. It's pretty obvious. We've all done that with a handful of ants in our time. It's very effective when the sun's out. But beyond that, do you know what a decision to praise and glorify the Lord does? It actually takes the focus off yourself. And sometimes we find ourselves in a place where circumstances are not going the place that we want it to go. Can I tell you, let's glorify the Lord together. And do you know when you glorify the Lord, you have the ability to bring others on that journey with you. In fact, that's what we do every single week. We glorify and we magnify the Lord together. And I've got to tell you, this is my advice to people, basically in all different seasons of their life. Sometimes you've just got to drag your body to church. Sometimes you just got to drag your body here, get caught up in this atmosphere of praise and then you begin to realise that your spirit is lifted and you become radiant. I remember when we were kids, uh, whenever we'd go over certain people's houses and they had pools and we didn't have a pool, I'm sure you would have done this, but every kid in their life has created a whirlpool. Ever done that? You spend 45 minutes going round and round, you know? It's like, come on, don't give up, it's happening. You know, you know how you do that? And it's like, yes, this is working. You know, it's just so exhilarating as a kid. And you do it for 45 minutes and it's finally time. And then at any point, anybody can jump in and all they do is they lift their feet up and you move a metre. It's absolutely exhilarating. Can I tell you this? That when you make a decision to praise the Lord, even the afflicted hear it and get caught up in it. Even the one who aren't yet in good circumstances, they hear it and they are caught up in it and they choose to praise the Lord, beginning to glorify Him, magnify His presence. And lastly, we actually have a relationship that changes us. I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Those who looked to Him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called out and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. 
Do you understand what is happening in this text? Do you notice the relational language that David is talking about? I called to the Lord, He answered me. This poor man cried out, He answered me. Taste and see, that is an experiential language that the Lord is good. Do you know that this relationship we actually have with the living God, it actually changes us. It actually causes us to become radiant. And sometimes when we sit through church for a long time, we almost forget that. We sort of think we come and we do our thing, but we forget that there is a relationship that is extended to us that actually changes our very countenance, nourishes our soul and lifts us up. And David is saying this, I called out to the Lord, He heard me. I cried out to Him, He answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. And I'll end with this very quick thought. Do you notice that David says that the Lord didn't deliver me from the Philistines, He delivered me from all of my fears? You notice something. I actually think our fears are far worse than our reality. And yet our fears are the things that sit beneath the surface and are very easily stirred up. And David says this, it wasn't just that the Lord delivered me from my enemies. It's actually that He delivered me from my fears. And to be delivered from your fears is far more powerful than just being delivered from your enemies. Because the fear is the thing that sits beneath the surface, that dictates the atmosphere of your life and heart. And he says this, I called out to Him and He delivered me from my fears. So I want us in this series to be a people who make a choice to praise beyond our circumstances, to glorify the Lord that it might encourage and stir others, but to realise we have a relationship with God that actually changes us, that He hears our voice and that He delivers us from all of our fears. And with that, Kelly, I'm going to invite you to the stage with me. We're going to bring up the chairs and we're going to have a very short chat. Would you join me in welcoming Kelly Barnes as she comes to the front? Very good, stage hands. Good. You always know it's a real show when there's a special table in between us that we will do nothing with. Hi, Kelly. Welcome. Hello. Hi. Oh. Welcome to the show. Um, hey, Kelly and church, it's really important. This is actually um, a snapshot of the journey. There's going to be another time where we'll get you to fully share it in more detail. But your journey is very relevant to where we're going as a church, particularly on Sunday night, to praise, to be grateful, to give thanks through all circumstances. So why don't you very briefly share about your journey so far in this past season? Sure. So back in May 21, I was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer and suspected BRCA1 mutation. Um, and the stage of the cancer that I was at was told 3B, um, which wasn't good because it had spread to my lymph nodes as well. Um, and they were quite oh, this is serious. They're throwing all these interesting thoughts at me of all that's going to happen. I was so grateful, actually. Pastor Beck was with me when I got my diagnosis and I was just a little bit in shock because I've been healthy my whole life and it just was so foreign to me to think that something like this could come against me. Um, so anyway, took the shock away, but we didn't live in the shock. We moved forward and even from day one of getting that diagnosis, I had the pastor, the elders and 
Pastor Nathan, come and pray for me at home. And then, you know, we, we did have some worship and prayer and words that, that brought life to my situation. And then day two, we had friends come over and pray. And day three was a worship team night at the church and they prayed for me. And day, day four was Thursday night, we were at the prayer meeting um, and they prayed for me. And Friday, we even went somewhere else and got prayed for too. And a, a lady there had a word for me that I was going to get healed from cancer. But she didn't even know I had been diagnosed. So we fought at first with the Word of God, and then I was pretty quickly um, prioritised to get into chemo for that type of cancer. Um, they say it's an aggressive cancer, and treatment against it was very aggressive as well. I went into five months of chemo treatment, lost all my hair. Um, you might have seen me, I had some nice hair, and then I had an awesome wig, which was a blonde, thick bob that I actually loved. It was very cool. And then obviously I started growing back. I finished chemo in about October. I had um, surgery in November and that's a story in itself. Um, I then, coming out of that, recovering from that, got into chemo tablets again preventatively um, in January, headed back to work. Oh, that's another story how I, I had that whole sort of six months off work um, because I'd... Yeah, you need to have the time off work to really recover and fight it. But I'd also worked for so long that I had some sick leave up my sleeve too. So that was really nice. Um, started back at work early in the year, had a hysterectomy in June and then had another reconstruction surgery in August. And kind of throughout the year, I've also just been on chemo tablets that are preventative. It has been really full on for you. It's been big. You kind of just say it like it's just a thing, you know, like you just went to the shops, you just did, you know, but it, it's a lot more epic than that. Um, in fact, I liked how you said it was a shock because you are really fit. And I remember one of the things that came out was when you were being treated, they thought that you were a super athlete because you were so fit. Do you want to take your moment? Tell everyone about that. I better tell everyone about that. Um, <laughs> yes, I had to go in for a cardio scan before you go into chemo because chemo can impact your heart. And they wanted to test my heart. And I had to lie down on this bed and they're testing my heart. And I'm like, oh, yeah, just lie down, do nothing. Uh, about a week later, they're like, you got to come back. We've got to do a scan. We've got to do something more. I was like, what is going on? I've, and I knew. So it's funny, isn't it? Fear creeps up. It, like, I never knew I had cancer. I didn't know I had a heart condition either. Maybe there's something wrong with my heart too. And I was like, no, that's silly. <laughs> you talk to yourself. I knew that I'd ran um, multiple half marathons with my son, Elijah. I knew that my heart was okay. Um, I went in there, I had to do the test, and I got up to about level five or six, and they're going, oh, you can stop now. I'm on this, sorry, I'm on this treadmill and you're sort of running. And they're like, oh, you can stop now if you want to. And I'm like, if I want to? Do you want me to stop? I want to stop. And they said, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah you're, you're good. And I got off the treadmill, lied down, they did my heart again, and they're like, oh, you've got this beautiful heart. And it turned out that I was diagnosed with athlete's heart because they thought I was a professional athlete because my heart was so relaxed when I was doing the first scan that they needed me to come and have a second scan to actually see that it was working. So, yeah. <laughs> so that you have an athlete's heart. Yeah. Uh I don't look like an athlete. Actually, my husband looks more like an athlete than like I do. To, <laughs> I'd like to find out 
how you get that label. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, where do you You've pick that up? You've probably got it too, Nathan. It's all good. <laughs> oh, everyone's got goals. Um, Kelly, there's probably two moments in my life where I've tangibly felt the presence of God in, a, in an atmosphere of praise that should not have been an atmosphere of praise. Uh, one time was in America when our, our senior pastor over there had a, a boating accident and uh, he was in intensive care, spent six weeks in there. And uh, I had to lead the church that night. There was 2,000 people there and I had to tell the church he's in ICU and it was touch and go, you know. Um, and I, I've never been in an atmosphere of praise like that before. But the second time in my life was in your house when the day you guys got that diagnosis and I, I walked in there and in that back room where David has his prayer meeting with the men and there's so much prayer and worship goes on in that place. But I walked in there and I, I got smacked in the face with the presence of the Lord. And it was absolutely amazing to think that through that instant diagnosis, your first reaction was to praise, yeah. was to worship. Do you want to talk about that for a little bit? <laughs> I think for as long as I can remember, my favourite thing has actually been to worship. And I feel so privileged. Since I was about 14, I've been involved in worship teams. And so we're up here on Sundays often singing about the goodness of God and how he's our healer and, you know, nothing can stop us when we've got God on our side. And if God before us, who can be against us? So I think there was a part of me in this that was rejoicing because I love that scripture Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. I think we knew how to come into the battle from the training that we'd had before the battle. Yeah. And David was always going to be there praising with me too. (laughs) But yeah, it was, we had, I had to decide, I had this moment, do I believe what I've already believed? Do I really believe it? And it was, of course I do. Of course I do. I've seen God move so many times. He hasn't changed. And so I got into the Word. I was already in the Word, but I got even more into the Word because I wanted to devour the Word so that it was in me and that it would come out of me. Yeah. Really good. Um, One of the things you mentioned to me, which I find really fascinating, is you, you went through a bit of a stage where you didn't want to just talk because you didn't know what would come out so you wanted to just pray and yeah. worship because you just didn't want uh, whatever it was to just come out of your mouth negativity or fear do you want to speak to that a little yeah, bit yeah I think because every time I went to the doctors they would be like oh you're a priority and you're going to be on the, under the under our watch for 10 years and you'll be lucky to all this and that and this and that and lots of negative reports that would come against me um and, you know, sometimes it can unsettle you a little bit. And I'd have days with the chemo, it was a bit of a cycle. You go, you have your chemo, and actually I'd get a burst of energy because <laughs> they give you a steroid when, you, when you're getting the chemo in, IV into you. That's how you get your special heart, the steroid. <laughs> yeah. It's all making sense. <laughs> so you'd be up for, the, for a couple of days and then you'd really drop. And it was often on those days that you'd drop and the enemy would know this, of course, and start to remind you of the things that the doctors had said and, you know, you'd go and Google a story about somebody who had the same thing right. but it didn't go so well and all of those sorts of things. And I would just be like, I just can't say anything because I don't want to 
speak negatively into my situation. So I would just pray in tongues sometimes. I'd literally pray in tongues. I'm, I'm cleaning up. I'm, I'm glad I had a house to clean and all these boys to clean up. It, Distraction is really good. I'd be doing all of these things around the place, but I'd be praying in tongues until I felt like my spirit was going to align with the Word of God. You know, like the prayer would lift me to where I needed to be so that I could then again praise and be grateful and thank God for what He's done, for what He's doing, and what He's still going to do. So that's where we want to be, where we're agreeing with the Word of God, because that's when the power's there when we agree with what the Word says. Yeah. I love that, Kelly. Just expand on that slightly more. One of the things that we say, or I say around here, is we never want to be people that deny reports. We never want to be people that do the weird thing, you know, don't open the mail, there's a bill in it. Don't let that evil over you. (laughs) You know, we kind of go, no, no, there's a bill, open it, don't be weird. But what we do say is... um, don't deny it, but don't let it dictate terms. Yeah. And I've seen you, you've had a really, like, this has been a really bad report to start with, but I've never seen it dictate terms with you. Mm. How consistently did you have to make that choice to not let fear override? How consistently did you have to choose to, to praise? Was it, was it daily? Was it oh. every time at the doctor's, you know? Yeah, I... So yes, you can't deny what they're telling you and you have to deal with what you've got in front of you. But every time they told me that my cancer would only respond to chemo, I would say to myself, and Jesus. Like, (laughs) I would have to get it in there because in my heart, Jesus is the one who has all authority over these things. Jesus is the one who numbers my days. Jesus was the one that was going to dictate my outcome. And I was greatly encouraged when I look at um, Genesis and the the 12 spies. If you've been around me, I often share this story, but there were the 12 spies sent out into the promised land to have a look at at what they were dealing with. And 10 came back with a report that, you know, there's giants in the land and that can be difficult and I don't know if we can do this. And when I read that, it really looks like a real report of what was going on. Um, And I thought... Do you know that's interesting? That's kind of like the report that I got from the medical perspective. Like it was real. It was what I was really going to have to deal with. But then Caleb and Joshua came in and they said, we can take this. We can do it in God. And I realised because the, the, the report from the 10 spies was later referred to as an evil report and I realised why. It denied the power of God partnering in that situation and that battle. I knew my God. I knew my God. I knew that he wasn't going to let me fight this alone. I knew that the finished work of the cross said that I was healed. So I knew I could hear the report that was the real report, but that wasn't the report that was the outcome report. His, his blood heals me, and that's what I stand upon. Very good, Kelly. You know, throughout that journey, which, what, it's been 18 months now? Yeah. Yeah, about that. What you might not know is Kelly's actually one of our elders, uh, and that means elders, that means school board director as well, that means also the chair of our community life committee. In that 18 months, I think you might have missed one, maybe two meetings. 
Just wanted to raise that with you. It's a bit of a problem. <laughs> Glad it's out there now. Yeah. Just, <laughs> when you go through what you've gone through, I don't think I've ever seen someone go through this and not skip a beat, like not miss a thing. And I would say become more radiant. And, and that's not just the glow of chemo. It was the week, though. The week was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> steroids, not just steroids. Um, but Kelly, it, you just, you never fell in a heap. You never yeah. stopped. There was always a momentum. And there's still a journey unfolding. Yeah. But there's always been a, a momentum there. So just tell us a little bit more about what that has looked like for you and, and David as well, because... Part of this is, is that we do this together. Let us exalt the Lord together. Yeah. Let's glorify His name together. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about that togetherness in this? David's been my rock in the whole process. Um, he didn't actually come to a lot of the doctor's appointments with me, and I'm so glad he didn't. Um, I always knew that it was something that I wasn't to come under. But then when I get home and David, like he's, he's got a psalm for me for every situation. <laughs> He's like my concordance. You know, what do you think this means? And um, David would always have. So we would pray together. And even my kids were praying for me. You know, the power of prayer. Um, I remember my little son Samuel saying, Mummy, you're going to go to the doctors and they're going to say it's all gone. And that was right at the beginning from the journey. And I just, I got, you just gather those, those precious things. But... Yeah, there's so much strength. David and I have a, a dialogue around Psalms and, and the Word. You'll often find, you know, after church or whatever, oh, we love, I love that Psalm and this is what it means to me. Um, and it was so good to agree together and, and pull each other up in the Word. It strengthened us. Mm. So good. Two more things and then we're going we're gonna to respond with, it, with a great song with Eliza and the team. But two more things as we come to a bit of a close. I guess, how would you encourage people tonight? Everyone in this room is on some kind of a journey and perhaps choosing to praise at all times or, or not, but we all live in life, we all live in circumstances and it's varied across this room, but how would you encourage people? Do you know, I think, Nathan, when you spoke before, you covered it so well, but... Thank it's... you, I appreciate that. <laughs> When I couldn't think about my circumstance because it felt too difficult, I would just remember what God's already done. And when you think about all that he's done for us, the finished work of the cross, the fact like Jesus when he said to the disciples, don't um, rejoice that you've got power over um, the, the spirits and the, the demons, but rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I knew I was saved. I knew I was saved and when I didn't know how bad my diagnosis was, I had to think about, oh, what would happen if I didn't come through this? But I can smile at that too because death has no victory. Like I was going to heaven and I would have just beaten everybody else to it. Um, <laughs> I had that moment of realisation that the Lord's done everything for us. He is so worthy of our praise no matter about my life, what he's done for all of us is so worthy. And I could always praise him for that. I could always thank him. That's really good. Yeah. Really good. Team, why don't you come and join me? Last question, Kelly. Your, your journey is still unfolding 
somewhat. So tell us about what, what the future looks like with your diagnosis. But even beyond that, how do you ensure that you don't just shrink your vision or shrink your thinking about your future and you don't let that fear we've talked about a lot dominate the atmosphere of your mind and heart. So tell us a little bit about that unfolding future for you. Yeah, um, I'm excited for the future. I, I think when you walk through these things, you really get to know intimacy with the Lord. And I also knew when I was coming out of the most difficult parts and that would allow me to dream about the future. Um, I've still got things that I'm still believing for in, in terms of healing in my body and I know that he's good for it. And each day I pray and I declare his healing over me um, because I know his plan is for full restoration. Amen. I think it was um, oh, right on when we, got the, when we got the diagnosis, my husband came out with that scripture that you never... Um, if a thief breaks into your house to steal bread, you don't despise it. But when the thief is caught, he must repay you sevenfold. So we walk in that out and believing that God's going to restore us sevenfold. So my health is going to be better. Our relationship is going to be better. Our finances are going to be better. Every area that the devil's tried to come against us, God's going to restore that. And I'm just excited for what comes next. You know, I don't know yet what it's going to be, but I've told him, you know, whatever years, how many years I have left, if it's 40, 50, 60, 20, whatever it is I have left, they're for the Lord. He can do what He wants with me. And I'm, I'm there. I'm there for the adventure. Yeah. It's beautiful, Kelly. Might get you to just pray for us in this moment. We'll just bookend this part, but... Uh, this song that Elijah and the team are doing, it's a new-ish song around here called Gratitude. And what I want the team to do is just, Elijah, you just lead it for a little bit. And then when you want to, just tell people to stand up to just reflect on it. But when we do this song, I want you to take a moment to just almost reflect on your own life. Find a reason to praise. Find a reason to magnify and glorify the Lord. Find a reason to thank Him, regardless of your circumstances. But Kelly, I want you to just pray for us in this moment and encourage some people and yeah, and then we'll we'll sing together. Lord, I thank you that you're so faithful to finish the work that you've begun in us. Yes. Lord, we're here tonight. Lord, we welcome you into our lives more and more every day. Teach us how to walk according to your ways. Because Lord, we know there's so much delight in walking according to your commands. Lord, I thank you that whenever we go through anything, you're with us. Even if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil because you're with us. Lord, help us, remind us to put Christ at the top. Lord, we want to serve you and seek you with our whole hearts. So Lord, I just ask, Continue to work in us. We want to be like Jesus. That no challenge can get us down. We choose to praise you. We choose to glorify you, Lord. 
Holy Spirit. Have your way in us, I pray. We hope this message encouraged or perhaps even challenged you in your Christian faith. Our pastors meet regularly with people to pray and support them and we extend this invitation to you. Please let us know if we can contact you to offer support. Simply call the office or visit nexuschurch.com.au.